What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Abgenommen bedauert. Gangbusters! Military Police Corps of the United States Army is celebrating its 12th anniversary. To tell us about tonight's gangbusters case is the Chief of Operations, Operations and Enforcement Branch of the Office of the Provo Marshal General, Lieutenant Colonel Harley Moore, who supervises military police operations all over the world. And here, especially transcribed for gangbusters, is Colonel Moore. Thank you, and good evening, gangbusters listeners. Throughout the world, the uniformed military policeman of the American Army has become a familiar sight. His trim uniform, bearing, and conduct are models for soldiers everywhere. His job in the Army compares to that of the uniformed civilian policeman to maintain order, direct military traffic, guard important installations, prevent crime, and give assistance and service wherever he can. Within the Army's military police corps, there are also specialists who perform functions similar to those of detectives of a city police force. These are called criminal investigators. It is their duty, under the supervision of their local provo marshal, to investigate crimes against Army personnel and property and to apprehend fugitives in this connection. This case tonight shows in part the work of these important specialists, and it began one summer night a year or so ago on the outskirts of a small town in Iowa. A very low-grade carnival was playing a one-night stand to so-so business, and the talkers at the various attractions were straining their lungs, drumming up trade. The only fair-sized crowd was gathered in front of Gay Paris, the carnival's girly show, 
where the outside talker was making his pitch to the crowd. On the inside of Gabery in a very few minutes. Yes, sir, the spectacle you've been witnessing outside here is only a sample, a very small sample of what's going to start on the inside of Gabery in just a few minutes. You're going to see the five, the five most gorgeous, lovely girls west of Broadway and east of Hollywood. And there's still a few seats left inside the tent. You've been watching our little Josette give you that sample, our sweet little Josette. Take a bow, Josette. Thank you. Hey, you. Stay off the ballast stand, pal. This is for employees only. Right over here, the best quarter you ever spent. Mister, I said stay off the ballast stand. I'm the sheriff of the county. Oh, well, we run a clean extravaganza here, Sheriff. Pure and simple. Witness the show with my compliments. I'm not here for that. I want to talk to you. Well, I'm giving my pitch, Sheriff. I want to talk to you anyway. Uh, if you want to talk, Sheriff, you'll talk for just a second. Huh? All right, man. Josette will give you one more little segment of what you'll see inside the gay parade. Give him that segment, Josette. But not too much now. Hit it, Professor! <laughs> Now, what can I do for you, Sheriff? You got a fellow named Hale working around here? Hale? Hale? Not that I know of. The big boss said you had a Ralph Hale over there. Oh, Ralph! I never knew Hale was his other name. Yes, he's our electrician, handyman, stagehand, and general factotum around here. Where is he now? Well, I'll take you to him. Give me a minute to get this crowd inside, will you? Okay, take your minute. Well, I'll be right with you. Well, that's enough of a segment, Josette. That's enough now. Now, 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 just take it easy, boys. You ain't seen nothing yet. Now, little Josette is going to go back inside the tent with the other girls, and she's going to get ready for the big performance of the Gay Paris show that starts in just another moment. Now, go on, Josette. The inside, everybody. Come on. I'm on in two minutes. Ralph. What? Ralph, you better go. I better go where? Will you get ready for the show, Ralph, Josie? the sheriff is outside looking for you. The sheriff? Well, thanks, baby. No, not that way. He's coming in that way. Well, how? Uh, through the girls' dressing tent this way. Listen, help me, Josie. Help me get away from I you. I will, I will. Everything will be all right. Now, wait. Okay, it's all right. The girls are out waiting to go on. Okay. All right, close it. Close the flash. Sure. Now, go on, Ralph. You can sneak out that way and write to me, will you? Please write to me. Yeah, huh? sure. Josie, you better hurry. now listen, Josie, have you got any money? Well, I haven't got very much. I got only about $250. Oh, well, look, baby, can I borrow 200 You'll get it back, every cent back. But it's in a savings bank, in a savings bank in Chicago. Oh. Well, gee, I'm sorry, Ralph. You know I'd let you have it. But you'll be all right. Everything will be fine. Hey, listen, Josie, leave the show and come to Chicago with me, will you? Ralph, I can't do that. They need me Oh, here. what do you want to stay with a lousy, run-down outfit like this for? Come out of Chicago and have a real time, you and me. But, gee, Ralph, I don't know. It's not right to leave like that without notice. What do you think they'd give you notice? Look, I'm going to Alex's trail. I'm going to get my stuff. And then I'm going to hitchhike over to Sioux City. There's three or four buses out of there for Chicago a night. I'll wait in the bus station for you. The bus station in Sioux City. Ralph, I can't. You know how I feel about you, but I can't. I'll be waiting for you in the bus station. Ralph. I need you there, Josie. I need you. Now, you pull out of here as soon as they tear down the show tonight. All right? All right. I'll meet you in the bus station. Well, that was how this fugitive made his escape. He was, as we shall see, an army deserter. 
In addition to that violation of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, he was also sought for the burglary of the residences of two non-commissioned officers on the military reservation at Fort Meade, Maryland, when he was stationed there. At midnight that night, in the headquarters of the 5th Army Military Police Criminal Investigation Detachment in Chicago, 1st Sergeant Edward P. Ellis, on duty in that office, had just dialed the telephone number. Major Landry, please. Speaking. Oh, this is Sergeant Ellis, sir. Sorry to disturb you at home. Now, that's all right. What is it, Sergeant? We just got a wire, sir. A reply from that sheriff in Iowa. Did he get him? No, sir. Oh. Now, what the wire say? It says, uh, Major Robert L. Landry, 5th Army Military Police Criminal Investigation Detachment, Chicago. Information good, but missed Ralph Hale, wanted by your office. Oh. Hale fled while I was on carnival lot to make arrest. Well, that's that, I guess. Yes, sir. No information regarding present whereabouts. All right, Sergeant. Send a wire back to the sheriff over my name and thank him. Yes, sir. We'll get him, Sergeant. I want you to catch up with that carnival and see what kind of information you can turn up. Somebody around there ought to know where he was heading. When shall I leave, sir? I'll come into the office and we can talk it over. You can leave tonight. Cheer up, will you, Josie? Plenty for you to do in Chicago. You can get a job ten minutes after the bus goes. I'm not worried about that now. I shouldn't have left the show like that without notice. Where are they going to find another girl in the middle of Iowa like Look, that? Worry about yourself a little bit instead of other people, will you? I'm just that way, that's all. Well, if you've got to worry about somebody else, you worry about me. Look, I am worried about you. You don't have to tell me to worry about you. I'll be all right. As long as I have a little bit of dough to get settled on and look around. Now, are you sure you got that money in the bank in Chicago, huh? Yeah, I you got it. got your bank book with you? I got that, too. Okay. Ralph. Hmm? What did that sheriff want to talk to you for? Exactly, I mean. Oh, I've been in a little trouble. Yeah, I know that. I mean exactly. After all, I left the show. I'm going to Chicago with you, giving you that money. I'm entitled to know. Well, how much do you think a guy can make roughnecking around a small-time show like that? I've been working the short con. I guess one of the marks put in a beef. Uh, I took some small-town suckers for a couple of touches. Everybody does it. It's practically legit. Oh. Uh, well, the bus is going to get in awful early in the morning. We've got to find rooms and everything. Listen, don't bother about that, kid. I think we'll be set all right. Where? i got a friend in Chicago. We used to work together a lot. He'll find a spot for us. Oh, all right. His name is Fatso. <laughs> That's a funny name. Yeah, well, it fits. He's not what you'd call good-looking. Gee, I don't think I can hold my head up anymore, Ralph. Yeah, we'll go to sleep can I lean on your shoulder? Lean on the pillow they give you. My shoulder's not a pillow. All right. Night. Wake me up when we get to Chicago. Yeah, I will. You can count on it. Do, Ralph, except get a job. Look, Josie, don't bother me with your problems, will you? Fatso invited us here to have a drink, not to listen to your troubles. Isn't that right, Fatso? She's got a point, Ralph. If she don't work, how are we going to pay the rent? And look, there ain't even much left in the bottle. That's as important as rent. We'll manage. Don't worry about that. We'll manage. We sure managed fine so far, didn't we? Took all my money out of the bank. It's not even a week yet, and tomorrow there won't be a cent left. What are you complaining? Listen, if you're complaining, you can get on the bus and go back to the I'm show. I'm not complaining, Ralph. You know I'm not. I'm just worried, that's all. You and me both. Well, who'd figure that Fatso was in such a spot and strapped for dough like me? I thought he'd be in good shape. I've been having a rough year, Ralph. I've been sick. Well, if I want that dice job, I better call him in. Well, go on. Call him then. There's a phone under the stairs. All right. 
I'll pour you another drink in the meanwhile. No, don't do that. I don't want any more. I'll pour one for myself. She's an awful pretty girl, Ralph. She'll do. You ought to be nice to her. It's good to have somebody that likes you. You treat them right, and they keep liking you. What do you know about women? I know if I had one like that, I'd treat her right. Giving her last money to... All right, it's a shame she's got no more. Now, listen, are you interested in this deal I was telling you about or not? Where'd you hear about it anyway? In the Army? No, since I left, since I went with the show. Look, uh, I don't mind traveling and all that, but you've got to be sure the old man's got all that money in the house. I can be sure of it. Some guy I drank beer with in town. He worked for him. Spent the whole night talking about him. He's got a safe in the wall of his living room. Yeah, but has he got dough in it? Yeah, he's got dough in it. How old is he, anyway? He's over 60. Way over 60. Uh, I guess he won't be much trouble. No trouble at all. We leave Chicago in the afternoon, just in time to get to the old man's house at midnight. We do our business, we turn right around, we come back. Nobody even knows we're out of Chicago. Nobody but Josie. Josie is coming with us. On the job? On the job. You're not going to tell her what you got in mind. She wouldn't like it. She wakes up and finds herself part of the deal. She'll have to like it. Back to Gangbusters in a moment. Marcus Whitman, Frontier Doctor, will be the real-life hero of tomorrow night's Radio Hall of Fame. Lionel Barrymore, your host, tells the story of this pioneer Oregonian who risked his life to help America open the Pacific Northwest to settlement. Lionel Barrymore will have the aid of a top Hollywood cast in the Radio Hall of Fame's outstanding production, Marcus Whitman, Frontier Doctor, tomorrow evening on most of these same CBS radio stations. And now back to Gangbusters and Lieutenant Colonel Moore. Well, as the 5th Army Criminal Investigation Detachment of the Military Police sought information leading to the whereabouts of an Army deserter who had also been accused of burglary on a military reservation, the fugitive, in company of his friend and the girl Josie, left Chicago for the small Nebraska city intent upon robbing an elderly resident. Shortly after midnight, the stolen car in which they had driven from Chicago pulled up in front of the spacious Victorian residence where their intended victim lived all alone. What a casa. Ralph, I'm afraid. I don't want to do it. What's that to be afraid of? I never did anything like this before. I never stole a thing in my well, life. Well, this is a good time as any to start. Go on, get out. It seems so off. That's an awful big house, Ralph. You don't think he's got borders or anything? He's got nothing except dough. Now, come on. Dogs. You think he's got dogs? I'm scared to death of dogs. He's got no dogs. Only money. Yeah, you said it, baby. Only money. And he won't have that long. Maybe he's not home. There's not a light anyplace. He never goes anywhere. He's asleep. All right, hold it here. I would stay out of sight here, Josie. Go to it. Well, Go can't on, we... will you? All right. That's a good girl. All right, get down. I'm down. Go on, push the bell. There it is. Again. There. There goes the light in the bedroom. I'm quiet. I'm quiet. Take him a couple of seconds to get downstairs. Yes? What do you want? Excuse me, I got a flat on my car. Could I use your phone? Do you have to wake me up in the middle of the night? Well, I couldn't help it if I had a flat. Please? All right, just a second. 
awfully sorry, but I really didn't know what to do. As long as you woke me up, come on in. All right, let's go. Out of the way, honey. Hey, what's that? What's the door? Get away from there, Swanson. No, no, let me go. Let me go. Hold him. Let me go. I got him. All right, honey, shut the door. Yeah. Let me go, will you? Let me go. Hold still, old timer. All right, baby, turn on that light. Please. Turn on the light, will you? Let me go, will you? Go on, old timer, get in there. In the living room. Go on, go on. All right, that's far enough. What do you want? What are you asking foolish questions for, Mr. Swanson? You know what we want. Money. All of it. Now, sit down there. I got no money here. Didn't you hear him? He said, sit down. Baby? Yeah? Turn on some lamps in here, will you? It should be a little more cheerful in here. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Mr. Swanson. Money. All the money you got. I've got none here. How's that? You want some more lamps? Oh, that's enough. Find a seat someplace and stay out of the way. Not so? Yeah. See that picture of the ocean breezes on the wall there? Yeah. We'll take it down. Yeah, that's the picture. Take it down. No, wait. Shut up, Mr. Swanson. Hey, look at this. A safe. A safe right in the wall. Come here, Fatso. That thing shouldn't be too much trouble. No, it won't give us much trouble if Mr. Swanson don't give us much trouble. What's the combination, Mr. Swanson? What's the matter? Can't you hear me when I I talk to you? What's the combination? What is the combination? Ralph, wait a minute. Come on, back there and sit. Please, Ralph, don't do that anymore. How are we going to get him to open the safe if we don't? Let me try. Go ahead. It'd be such a wonder. Look, Mr. Swanson, what's the use of getting yourself hurt, huh? I didn't know it was going to be anything like this or I wouldn't have come along. Now, tell him what the combination is. I don't want to see you get hurt. What are you doing here? You're just as bad as them. Don't talk like that to the lady. Oh, don't. Hey, go off me, will All right, you? let him go. Please don't hurt him. Uh, Honest, how can a guy uh, work with all this interference? Honey, go over in the other room. Keep a sharp look out of the window. Watch for any cars stopping in front. Yeah, go on, will you? All right. But don't hurt him. That's right. Through there. Please don't hurt him. All right, now, Mr. Swanson. No. That's right. Let him go. You want the combination, don't you? You let him go. Oh. All right, now, Mr. Swanson, how about it? No, I won't tell you. You see, Ralph? I'm going to show you something, Mr. Swanson. I'm going to show you this. What do you need a gun for? Just get your hands away. Sit down there and stay there. What are you going to do? What's the combination? No. You wouldn't kill me. Let's see how close I can come. No. No. Feel that whiz by your ear, Mr. Swanson? Now, what's the combination? Well, what is it? Let's whiz one by the other ear. Now, what's the combination, Mr. Swanson? No. He didn't shoot him. No, he didn't shoot him. Get back in there. Will you go back in there? What's the matter with her, anyway? Listen to me, Mrs. Swanson. I'm tired of messing around. What is the combination? What is it? Go on, come on, come on. What is it? Come on, what is it? What is it? Hey, take it easy. You'll kill him. It's your life. I'll kill him. Can't toy with me. Watch it. Watch it. Uh oh. I think that done it. Mrs. Swanson. Come on, Mr. Swanson. Quit stalling. You ask me, Ralph, I think they'd really done it. Who's asking me? After all, he ain't no youngster. All right, what are you worried about? If you were going to kill him, you should have waited until we got the combination. We'll open the safe without the combination. How? Tell me how. You look for some tools and go to work on the safe while Josie and I see what else is around this house. Major Landry. This is Corporal Lochner, sir. Sergeant Ellis is calling in from Ames, Iowa. Oh, good. Put him on. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. Hello, sir. Yes, Sergeant? I caught up at the carnival in Keokuk, and I've been following them around for a couple of days. Good. What'd you find out? 
Well, nobody's heard from Ralph Hale, but uh, there was a girl with the show. Josie McAllister is the name she was working under. Yeah? She left without notice the night Hale ran out. They think she might be with Hale? Well, they say she could be, sir. One of her friends here had a postcard from this Josie. She's working as a dice girl in some tavern there in Chicago. Where in Chicago? I got the postcard, Major. It doesn't say what tavern, just Chicago. All right, that's better than nothing. We'll see what we can do with it. Hey, Ralph. What? How about it? Can we stop at the next joint for a sandwich or something? The idea is not to stop for a sandwich. The idea is just to get back to Chicago as fast as we can. Let's get some speed out of this thing and put in some miles before it gets daylight. Ralph, how could you kill him? How could you do such a thing? Josie, let's not go over that again. It was an accident. He fell. Poor old guy. What did she say? You just take care of the driving up there, fat, so I'll take care of the conversation back here. Listen, you get one thing through your head, Josie. You're in this just as much as we are. I didn't want to come over. No, but you did. You helped. The best thing for you to do is to forget it, go about your business, and keep your mouth shut. Just to kill a guy like that and for nothing, practically. All right, so we couldn't get the safe open. Had a hundred bucks in cash in his pocket. It's better than nothing. Kill a man for a hundred bucks. That's what you think. But, Josie, look. What's that? Oh, my. Shut up. That's what I don't know about it. I found it upstairs. It's two carrots, at least. Hey, what's all the whispering? Oh, when you sweet talk, nothing's to your girlfriend. You don't shout, do you? Oh. <laughs> when we get to Chicago, you get back to your job, Josie. And you wait and see. Things are going to be just done. Thus, the search was concentrated in Chicago. Every available military police investigator was used in the attempt to track down the girl Josie, who was known to be working as a dice girl in a Chicago tavern. Meanwhile, the robbery and homicide had not been tied to the former carnival worker and army deserter. The aid of Chicago detectives was requested in the hunt for the dice girl. But a week passed, and the investigators still were not able to locate her. Come on, 80 cases. And three is 22. You want to try again? Yeah, sure, why not? Got to win sometime, don't I? Josie? If you keep trying long enough. Uh, that's your name, Josie, isn't it? Yeah, that's my name. Nice name. Roll the dice, mister. I'm not here to carry on conversations. Neither am I. Hey, Josie, I got to talk to I'm you. I'm busy now. Thank I don't you. care how busy you are. I got to talk to you. Later. Where's Ralph? Is he coming here? I don't know where Ralph is. Go on, roll, mister. Yeah. Did Ralph bring a ring from Nebraska? A ring? I don't know. He did, didn't he? And you two didn't say nothing. I don't know, Fatso. Now, please, I'm busy. Okay, you're busy. I'm busy, too. I'm telling you something. You two better show up at my place after you get finished tonight. I want to get this settled, and I want to get it settled Fatso, good. Fatso, I got a customer. <laughs> Excuse it, mister. Oh, I love fights. I heard from sources that Ralph got a ring. I want my part of that. If I don't get it, there'll be trouble, real trouble. Now, both of you, show up tonight. I'll see you later. He's mad. Yeah, I guess he has a right to be. Well, go on, roll, mister. Um, no, I think I've had enough. Here, this squares us, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, so long, Josie. Call again, mister. That's a girl, all right, Major. 
good. They're going to meet Ralph later. She and that guy, uh, Fatso his name is. They were arguing about a ring. Were they? Yes, sir. And that part didn't make sense to me. And we'll try to make sense out of it. Now, let's see where that fellow Fatso goes. And see if the girl and Ralph keep that date. don't intend to give him his share, Ralph, why are you coming to see him? That's what I don't understand. You don't understand a lot of things, Josie. All right, go on in. He's entitled to it, you know. He's entitled to what I want to give him. Ralph, listen to me. Why make trouble for yourself? Aren't you involved enough now? Give him what he's got coming to him. Go on, get upstairs. All right. I don't want to hear any more out of you either. Ship you back to that carnival so fast your head'll spin. Oh, no, you won't. Now you listen to me, baby. Don't you backtalk me. You're in this thing just as much as anybody. You can get just as much as me, so remember that. If I say back to the show, you go and no arguments. Now get upstairs. All right. You don't have to shove me. You and Fatso have got to learn to take what you get and be happy with it. What about my two hundred and fifty dollars? You'll get it when I feel like giving it to you. And I don't feel like it yet. Come on, Fatso, open up. You know who it is. Yeah. Okay, Ralph. All right, come on. Now, listen, Fatso. All right, Ralph, stand still. Oh, Ralph. Police. Hold it. Not me. Watch him. There he goes. I got him on his head. You just think you have him there. Let me go. Watch him up there. Daddy, let me go. Dirty, rotten girl. Go in any place else. No. No. No place at all. Okay, sir. I got no complaints, Sergeant. No complaints at all. And that was how this army fugitive was taken by criminal investigators of the military police corps. Subsequently, his connection with the Nebraska homicide came to light. Following a court-martial and a dishonorable discharge from the army, he was turned over to the Nebraska authorities to be tried with his confederates on a charge of murder. They were found guilty and received appropriate sentences under the law. This incident shows that any crime is of concern to all enforcement officials and to all citizens. Neither the military police nor the civilian law enforcement officials can prevent or solve all crimes without the assistance of the other. Tonight we are observing the 12th anniversary of the military police corps. The attainment of this milestone has been greatly enhanced by the aid of your local police. This sentiment is extended to the police of most foreign countries, who in these days of uneasy peace work hand-in-glove with us. On behalf of the Provo Marshal General and every military policeman throughout the world, I want to thank gangbusters for this opportunity to show you how your army works for you in peace as they do in war. Thank you, Lieutenant Colonel Harley Moore, Chief of Operations from the Office of the Provo Marshal General, United States Army. Now, Gangbusters Nationwide Clues broadcast every week as a public service to assist American police in their war against the underworld. Attention all citizens. Watch for this man, Herbert Paul Jenkins. Wanted by the FBI for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution for murder. His official description. Herbert Paul Jenkins, age 51, height Five feet, nine inches, 170 to 190 pounds, medium build, brown hair, 
blue eyes, fair complexion, may seek work as farmer, mechanic, steel, or shipyard worker. He has the tattoo Inez below left elbow, has oblique scar above inner corner of right eyebrow, a small oblique scar below nose, an irregular scar below left side of jaw, and a one and one half inch scar on inner right forearm. He has a furrow between his eyes. Caution, Jenkins may be armed and should be considered extremely dangerous. Watch for him. Attention all citizens. Watch for George Lester Bellew. Wanted by the FBI for interstate transportation of stolen property. His official description. George Lester Bellew, age 39, 5 feet 9 inches, 160 to 70 pounds, medium build, dark brown hair, brown eyes, medium complexion. May seek work as a nurse, clerk, or artist. This man has a scar on bridge of his nose, on his lower right arm, a tattoo of a heart pierced with a dagger, and the words, death before dishonor. Caution, Bellew may be armed and should be considered dangerous. If you have any information concerning these fugitives, notify your local police, the nearest office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or gangbusters at once. Tonight's gangbusters case was dramatized by Stanley Niss and directed by Leonard L. Bass with Bob Reddick, Juan O. Hernandez, and Terry Keene in leading roles. The entire production was supervised for CBS Radio by John Ives. Gaylord Avery speaking. Next week, same time, same CBS station to Amazing Facts in The Case of the Soda Fountain Pigeon on Gangbusters, a production of CBS Radio in cooperation with Phillips H. Lord. With Harry Lillis Crosby, Freeman Gosden, and Charles Correll checking in on CBS Radio tomorrow night, we're happy to remind you that from now on, they'll be keeping company Sunday nights with our man Benny Kubelski. Or, looking at it another way... With the Bing Crosby Show and Amos and Andy returning to most of these stations tomorrow night, they'll be heard the same evening as Jack Benny. It's all yours tomorrow evening with the rest of our Sunday Fun Day lineup presented by CBS Radio. And remember, America's 45 million radio families listen most to the CBS Radio Network. program that brings you authentic police case histories. As asked Captain O. Thornton Link, former chief of detectives, police department, Danville, Virginia, to narrate by proxy tonight's case. Captain Link. Thank you, and good evening, gangbusters listeners. 
It was about ten minutes to nine on a pleasant winter morning of February 1954 when John Wilson approached the front door of the Danville, Virginia bank in which he worked. He inserted his key in the door. As he opened the door, he heard footsteps behind him. I'm going in with you, Mr. Wilson. Oh? Oh, one of the messengers from the main bank? Never mind the questions. Move on in. Hey, be careful with that gun. I'll be careful. Inside and shut up. Look, what do you want from me? I'm just an employee. Sure you are. You know the combination of the vault, too. You're going to open it for me. But I don't know the combination. Look, Mr. Wilson, I happen to know that you're the only person besides a manager who does know the combination. Now, you want me to use this gun? All right. Let's get to the vault. Go on, you lead the way. You know you won't get away with this. I ain't worried. Okay. Now open it. No funny business. There you are. Okay, mister. I'll open the door myself. Come on, I'll... I'll... Hey, you want to play rough, do you? Stupid hoodoo. I'll... I'll warn you. Next time, maybe you'll listen. Within a few minutes, gangbusters listeners, the lone bandit looted the bank vault of almost $35,000. About five minutes later, another employee arrived at the bank found the injured man on the floor and immediately called police headquarters. I answered the alarm, taking Sergeant Lewis Hance with me. John Wilson had not yet been moved, and I remember bending over to talk to him. How do you feel now, Mr. Wilson? Not not so good. My my head, I'm, I'm so dizzy. An ambulance is on its way. It should be here any minute. I, uh, I tried to stop him. Can you remember what he looked like, Mr. Wilson? Not, not too well. He... Oh, my head. Maybe we'd better save this questioning for later. No, I... I'll tell you what I can. He, uh... He knew all about me and the bank. I never saw him before. He, uh... Kept a muffler around his chin, but I... I'd recognize him again. How tall was he? Oh, about like me. Short. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the end of I'll be down at the hospital to talk to you later. Oh, Captain. Yes, sir. What did you find out? There's someone outside that might be able to help us. A girl. Okay, let's go see. Oh, wait a second. Here's the ambulance crew. It's right over there, Doctor. Near the vault. Well, about the girl. Where'd you say she is? We're waiting outside. Good. Come on. Here she is. You can talk to her yourself. All right, everybody. Step back. Miss, uh, this is Captain Link. Oh, hello. Say, this is a big robbery, isn't it? Pretty big. When I went to the movies last week, there was a robbery in it. The police never were able to find out who did it. Yeah, look, miss, uh, suppose you tell the captain what you told me. Oh, yeah. Well, my mother sent me to the store. We were going to have breakfast, and we didn't have any bread. I lived just a few doors away from the bank. Anyway, when I left the house, I noticed a red laundry truck parked across the street. Well, what time was that, miss? Well, I already told the sergeant. It was about a quarter to nine. Mm, go on. Well, when I came back from the store, maybe about ten after nine, there was this big crowd and the laundry truck was gone. And that's all. I see. Well, thank you very much. You've been very helpful. Oh, it's all right. Hey, why don't you call in one of those private eyes? 
In this movie, I saw the police never could solve the case. But the private eye, he was able uh, to yes, tell them Yes, yes, I saw it. Oh. Now, if you'll give your name and address to the officer by the door. Oh, sure. Tom, take this girl's name and address, will you? And thanks again. Come on, Lou. You're going to trace the truck? Yeah. If we can find that driver, he might have seen something that'll give us a line on the holdout man. It's the beginning, anyway.
Local, state, and federal authorities combined forces in a roundup of all suspicious characters and all possible leads. Roadblocks were set up, and planes of the Civil Air Patrol flew over backwoods areas hoping to spot any automobiles that deliberately avoided the block. Eight days went by, during which several leads were followed and then dropped as false. Then in a small restaurant on one of Danville's side streets... Hey, you over there at the bar. Me? Yeah, come here a minute. What do you want? You hungry? Sure I'm hungry. Why? Sit down here. Have a meal on me. What? Sit down and eat. Will you mean you're going to steak me? Sure. Be my guest. Sit down. Uh, you sure there's no catches? Go on, order anything you like. Okay. I only got a quarter. I was just going to have a hamburger. I'll take the turkey. Say, what's the idea? This is a celebration? Yeah, sort of. I always said if I ever made a strike, I'd set up a big meal for some guy who needed it every night for a week. Oh, that's nice. That's real nice. I was hungry once, Buster. I know what it's like. A oh, sure thing. And what'd you do? A business deal come through? Why, you might say. Hey, waiter, bring this man the turkey. Yeah, yeah, I had a good business deal. And there'll be more coming, too. Ah, that's good. A nice guy like you. A nice guy like you, he should always make out. All right, Moe. Let's see the captain now. What do you want from me? Would you pick me up? You'll for? find out. Just relax. I didn't do nothing. I swear I didn't. You can tell that to the captain. Oh, uh, you cops. You all are like you pick up a guy who's mind his own business. Big deal, captain. What am I supposed to do, Bow? Just take it easy. Come in. All right, Moe. You first. Don't shove, that's all. Don't shove. All right, sit down over there, Mo. Hello, Mo. Nice going, Mo. He does a better job of acting each time. Well, you know how it is. A guy can't be too careful. All right, Mo. Go ahead and spill what you know. Well, it's like this. There's a guy. His name is Jerry Keaton. For the last week now, he's been spending a lot of dough. He even spent some on me. He said it was a business deal, but it sounded kind of fishy to me. I thought you'd better know. You told me to be on the lookout. About an hour later, Jerry Keaton was picked up in Danville's business section. He was soon in my office at police headquarters. There you are, Keaton. Thanks. I was real thirsty. All right, you had your glass of water. Now let's start all over again. But I told you, you guys are crazy dragging me down to headquarters. I didn't do anything. Where'd you get the dough you've been flashing? I earned it. Where do you think? Oh, come off it, Keaton. We checked. You haven't worked for two years. But it's true. Now listen to me, Keaton. You're in real trouble. The only way you'll get along is to tell the truth. Now, where'd you get that money? All right, all right. I'll tell you. I didn't want to say. I'm listening. An uncle of mine died in Australia and left me his fortune. He started out as a newsboy and worked his way up to... Cut it out, Keaton. Now, you better listen. A man may die because of that holdup, and if he does, no Australian uncle is going to help sure. you. Sure. Get him out of here, Lou. Turn him over to Kelly. Have him booked on suspicion. All right. Come on, kid. Look, you guys can't hold me. I don't know nothing about no bank job. I told Come you. On. I... Detective Division, Captain Link. Oh, hello, Tom. Oh, what's that? Ah, I 
see. All right, thanks. Lou, can you come back here a moment? Kelly's putting him in his cell uh, right now, Captain. Might be our man, all right. I'm not so sure now. Why? Just got a call from Tom Haynes. He just found out from a neighbor of his that this neighbor's brother-in-law lent a thirty-two automatic to a friend for some target practice. Never got it back. Friend said he lost the gun. Well, what's that got to do with Keaton? Just this. The name of the friend who first borrowed and then lost the gun is Skears. Floyd Skears. Skears, the laundry driver? Mm-hmm. Our innocent friend, the laundry driver. Back to gangbusters in a moment. Tomorrow night, Lou Ayers plays the role of Sigmund Freud when the Radio Hall of Fame focuses a dramatic spotlight on the crisis of the famous scientist's controversial career. Hear how Dr. Freud faced his personal dilemma, whether to drown his curiosity about mental medicine and stay within the conventions of his day, or to follow his astonishing inclinations and court ridicule or worse from the established members of his profession. CBS Radio presents the Radio Hall of Fame tomorrow night on most of these stations with your host, Edward Arnold. Now, back to Gangbusters and Captain O. Thornton Link, formerly Chief of Detectives, Police Department, Danville, Virginia. Once the unexpected information on Floyd's case was received, Gangbusters listeners, a new element had entered the case. Almost immediately, a check was begun on Skears' background and financial conditions. And the next day, in my office... Come in. What'd you find out, Lou? Good deal, Captain. First, Skears has always been a quiet, respectable guy. Nothing unusual about him. That's no help. That's not all. Just yesterday, he paid off a bank loan he's owed for a long time, and he bought himself a flock of new clothes. He's spending money, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah, just a minute. Detective Division, Captain Lank. Are you in charge of the detectives? Yes, ma'am. I told him I didn't want to talk to anyone but the man in charge. I see. What can I do for you? Well, I found a gun. Uh, What's that? A gun. I found a gun behind my house. What kind of gun? Oh, I don't know. A gun. Listen, are you sure you're the man in charge? Yes, I... Let me have your name and address, ma'am. I want to come down to see you. Are you Captain Link? Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm glad you're here. I was getting real nervous with that gun around. Where is it? Oh, I didn't touch it. wouldn't dare touch it. That's very wise, ma'am. Now, suppose you show me where it is. All right. It's around behind the house. Come on, I'll lead the way. All right, ma'am. <sighs> they didn't want to let me talk to you at first. But I always insist on talking to the man in charge. It's the way to get things done. Nice uh, lawn you have here. <sighs> yes. Yeah. High school boy comes by and looks after it. Oh, you see that little brook behind the house? It's where I found the gun. How'd you happen to find it? Well, there's a place in the brook where I like to dip out water sometimes for the flowers, but it's all blocked up with twigs and things. I started to try to clear it out. Ah, here we are. Isn't it pretty here? Yes, ma'am. Where's the gun? Oh, well, if you'll bend down here, this is where I was clearing out the twigs to set the bottom. Yeah, I see it. I'll get it out, Captain. Go ahead. 
Be careful. Don't point it at me. Don't worry, ma'am. I won't. Here you are, Kim. Hmm. It's a 32. You think someone lost it? That's possible. Excuse me a minute, ma'am. Hello. Excuse, Kim. Good day. This is just about two blocks from his house. What time does he get through with his route? We ought to be home now. Mm-hmm. Let's thank the lady and go pay Skierce a visit. Yes? And we come in, Mr. Skierce? Oh, hi, the captain again. Sure. Sure, come on in. Thanks. Yeah, make yourselves at home. Uh, want me to fix some drinks? No drinks, Mr. Skiers. We want to talk to you. Sure. Well, you might as well sit down. We'll stand. Oh. Well, I'll sit down. <clears throat> Tough day. Uh, now, what can I tell you? I think I gave you all the information I had, but if there's anything else... There is. Ever see this gun before? No. No, I never saw it before. And then where's the thirty-two you borrowed? Oh, well, you heard about that. Yes, we did. Where is it? I think I'll fix myself a drink. I lost it. One day I had it, the next day it was gone. You sure you don't want to drink? No, it? thanks. I wanted to take some target practice. That's why I borrowed it. Did you know the man at the bank says the gun used on him was a thirty-two? Oh, no, wait a And he minute. says that whoever held him up knew the bank's routine very well, especially their morning routine. Hey, look, I don't know anything about that holdup. Just what I told you, nothing more. Then why did you try to hide the gun? I didn't. I told you. I lost it. In someone's backyard. Oh, I don't know anything about it. Maybe somebody found it, and then... then maybe, maybe he dropped it in the backyard. Mm-hmm. You've got no right to question me like this. I haven't done anything. Then you've got nothing to be afraid of, have you? That's right. You have nothing to be afraid of. Sit down, Mr. Scarce. All right. I'd be glad to help you if I could, but there's, there's nothing I can do. That's what you said before. Where's your telephone? Uh, right over there on the table. You can use it if you want. Thanks. Lou? Here, Kim. Call the hospital. See if Mr. Wilson, the bank employee, is well enough to come down to headquarters for a lineup. Right. Hey, what are you going to do? Give you a fair chance, Skiers. You said you had nothing to do with that holdup. All right, I'll see if you're telling the truth. I'll see if John Wilson recognizes you. You can't make me come down to headquarters. You'll have to arrest me to do that. That's exactly what we're doing, Mr. Skiers. You're under arrest. Yes, I, I'm all right. I'm anxious to see the man apprehended. I think we've got the right man for you. Sit down here, Mr. Wilson. I'll come out and get you as soon as we're ready for you. Fine. Oh, so there you are. How long is this farce going to go on? Not much longer, Mr. Skiers. Who'd you get for the lineup, Lou? Uh, three of the boys, Haynes, Cook, and Jensen. Good. I got Jerry Keaton, too. I thought it'd be a good idea to have him in on this. Fine. Where are they? Waiting outside the other door. All right, go bring them in. Right. All right, come on in, fellas. 
You too, Keaton. I'm getting tired of being pushed around It'll here. It'll be over soon. Come on, over this way. All right. Now, you scarce, new Keaton, here's what I want you to do. These other three men are detectives. Wilson doesn't know any of them. They're all about the same height and general shape as the man we're looking for. I want you to line up with them, and when Wilson comes in, I want you to stand perfectly still. Understand? Yeah, sure, sure. How about you, Scarce? Well, I understand, but I don't like it. I'm not asking you to like it. I'm asking you to do it. Okay, get in line. Medium complexion may seek 
work as a hospital technician, machinist, barber, or composer of crossword puzzles. This fugitive has a one-inch oblique scar over left eyebrow, tip of left index finger amputated, has tattoo of red and blue bulldog head right forearm, has complete set of upper and lower dentures, which he may not be wearing, sometimes wears glasses, is interested in astrology, and composes crossword puzzles. McDermott reportedly carries a snub-nosed revolver in right coat pocket. Consider him dangerous. <laughs> Attention all citizens. Be vigilant for Herbert Bechtel, wanted by the FBI for unlawful flight to avoid prosecution for the crime of robbery. His official description. Herbert Dennis Bechtel, age 37, 5 feet 7, 175 to 80 pounds, stocky build, brown hair, brown eyes, ruddy complexion, may seek work as a beekeeper or a dairyman. This man has a two-inch scar on chin. Nail on left ring finger is marred. He has a six-inch scar on back of left leg. Ball of his left heel has been amputated, causing limp. He may be wearing mustache and long sideburns and have hair dyed and artificially waved. Caution. Bechtel may be armed and has reportedly stated that he will not be taken alive. He should be considered extremely dangerous. If you have any information concerning these clues, notify your local police, the nearest office of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or gangbusters at once. Tonight's gangbusters case was dramatized by Art Wallace and directed by Leonard L. Bass, with Bob Haig, Maurice Tarplin, and Bryna Rayburn in leading roles. Gaylord Avery speaking. Gangbusters. to you, the men and women of America, by the makers of Sloan's Liniment. With the cooperation of leading law enforcement officials of the United States, Gangbusters presents facts in the relentless war of the police on the underworld. Authentic case histories that show the never-ending activity of the police in their work of protecting our citizens. America's crusade against crime. Now, for those of you who are familiar with the name Schwarzkopf, just an editorial note and we'll get right back to the program. Colonel Schwarzkopf, who uh, oftentimes interviews the uh, uh, 
lawman who brings in the story to gangbusters is, of course, uh, in actuality, uh, the father of H. Norman Schwarzkopf, general of the United States Army. Uh, and so this is kind of interesting to hear him portrayed, uh, his father portrayed as a law enforcer. And also interesting, uh, there's a, uh, the character of the lawman, a sheriff, uh, I'm sorry, a judge who comes on the program, Judge Miller, is played by none other than Bill Johnstone, who about the same time was playing The Shadow on the Mutual Network. So there's a couple of interesting voices to listen for here. Now for our proxy interview between Colonel Schwarzkopf and Judge L.D. Miller of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Picture our setting as a special office turned over to gangbusters by Commissioner Louis J. Valentine of the New York City Police. Colonel Schwarzkopf. Judge Miller, I understand that Charleston and Rogers, the nickel and dime bandits, were hunted by the police of six states. Yes, Colonel Schwarzkopf. Actually, eight different police departments were after them within a period of 30 days. But why do you call these particular criminals the nickel and dime bandits? Well, Colonel, James Carlson, the brains of the combination, had a theory of crime different from any criminal in all my experience. I got a new slant on stick-ups that'll pay big dividends. I'm going to get me a smart partner that knows how to use a gift. Then we're going to go through the Mississippi Valley pulling little jobs, nickel and dime jobs. When we pulled enough of these nickel and dime jobs, we'll have just as much jack as if we'd stuck up a dozen big banks. On December 4th, 1939, following a term at Minnesota State Reformatory, Charlson drove up to a roadside tavern near Minneapolis. The owner was talking to a customer. You're right with you, mister. Anything else, sir? Oh, well, that'll be all, Bill. Charge it, will you? <laughs> with a fancy car like that, you want me to charge it? <laughs> no fancy right behind you, pal. Turn around. What? Look out, Bill. He's got a gun. A special kind of gun, mister, with a hair trigger. Come on, both of you. Back up into that hot dog joint before I turn this cannon loose on you. I want your dough. Oh, I got some change. Give it to me. Here you are. Now, you. Open up that cash register. Here. Thirty-five bucks. It's all I got. I know it ain't. Scoop out that change and stick it in my pocket. Nickels and dimes, huh? I'd like to see you for five minutes without that gun. Here's a change. Thanks, white guy. Now, get out of here. Not so fast, you. Empty your pockets. Uh, pretty brave, aren't you, with a gun? Yeah, and it's liable to go off any minute. No sawed-off punk's gonna take my dough. I want you, white guy. Bill! You're not getting away from me! I'll show you! Give me that gun! You're all through, huh? Oh. Let, let, let go of me! Bill. Let, you hurt? Let go of me! Yeah, I guess so. Pretty bad. I got all three of those bullets, but I got his gun. You're gonna need a doctor. What do we do with this guy? Lock him in the washroom. Yeah, you make it all right? Yeah, sure. Now, I got the special gun, you rat. Yeah. Give me back my money. All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, come on, you're in the washroom. You'll never get me to jail. Inside, punk. Okay, white guy. I'll lock it and then phone the police. Better get an ambulance, Bill. You're bleeding bad. Hello. Hello, operator. Get me the police. Sit down, Bill. What's that? The washroom window. There. Up front. There he goes. 
He's in his car. Stop! Stop or I'll shoot! Oh, it's jammed. That guy's special pistol jammed and saved his own life. It is rare, Judge Miller, for the victim to turn on his assailant at gunpoint and disarm him. It is, Colonel. Fortunately, the wounds of the tavern owner were not serious. Johnson made a dash for Chicago, where he went into partnership with another criminal named Joe Rogers. Together, they stole a late model car and started south, blazing a trail of robberies from Illinois to Louisiana. On the night of December 17th in Blytheville, Arkansas... Charlson and Rogers committed an unusual robbery, showing a peculiar obsession. Blytheville, Arkansas, robbery. Two men broke into a house and stole a large collection of pistols, automatics, shotguns, and rifles. Seen escaping in blue or black Dodge sedan. Notify all gun dealers to be on lookout for unusual weapons of foreign make. A few days later, Colonel, Charlson and Rogers were in Minneapolis, waiting in a stolen new Buick sedan across the street from a small apartment house. <laughs> Boy, this is the life of Rogers. You said it, Charlson. Cops and newspapers screaming about us from here to New Orleans. <laughs> Nothing for us to do but sit back and take it easy. <laughs> sure like a drink right now. Yeah, so would I. Wish that baby ears would hurry up. That's uh, only ten past eleven. I told her to sneak out a quarter past. She made up her mind to come with us? Hope so. You know me, Rogers. Wine woman and song. Yeah, I know. But when are we going to quit this small-time stuff and go after something big? Like what? Banks. Forget it, Rogers. Knock over a bank and every cop in the States after you. Just think of the dough we could pick up in banks. Oh, we've been getting the places you pick us chicken feed. Nothing but nickels and dimes. There's nothing you can't buy with nickels and dimes, Rogers. If you got enough of them, sure, but we could... There's no but to it. It adds up, see? And the rap for little jobs is nothing like it is for a bank. But in one bank job, we... Listen, sap. Hey, take it easy, will you? Banks have guards, and the guards have guns and tear gas. They have balconies to ambush bank bandits. They have burglar alarms to call the cops. Don't you see? We can get as much in a flock of gas stations as we could in a dozen banks. And no risk. Ah, uh, maybe you're right. The way I figure it... Hold it, Charleston. Here comes your girlfriend. Oh. Hello, baby. Hello, Jim. Gee, I'm glad to see you. You and me both. Get in the car. Okay. It's my pal, Joe Rogers. Oh, pleased to meet you. How are you? Oh, what's up? Where are we going? We're going south, kid. How'd you like to go with us? South? Oh, gee, I'd love to, but what about my folks? <laughs> Send them a postcard. Yeah. Just say, having a wonderful time. I wish you were here. <laughs> What are you guys going to do? We got special ideas. Swell clothes, good liquor, and plenty to keep us busy. What do you say? I say, what are we waiting for? Baby, you're going to be perfect. Let's go, Rogers. Where to? Back to New Orleans where it's nice and warm. We're going to make some stops on the way. And where we stop, nobody's ever going to forget us. This will be a joy ride to remember. That was near midnight, Colonel, on December 21st, 1939. Three days later, Chief C.R. Bryan of the Chattanooga, Tennessee Police was sitting in his office when Police Captain Homer Edmondson walked in with a message in his hand. Good morning, Captain. Good morning, Chief Bryan. This just came in on the teletype. Thought you'd like to look at it. 
um, Sweetwater, huh? Yes, sir. Arrest two men wanted here for robbery of roadside cafe this morning, 3 a.m. One man about 20, weight 150, blue eyes, light hair. The other one, older, weight about 140, dark hair, slender. Both bandits wearing leather jackets. That's a pretty complete description, Chief. These bandits took $60 in currency, cigarettes, liquor, and a large amount of nickels and dimes. They're heavily armed. Large amount of nickels and dimes. That sounds familiar. You're right, Captain. This is the sixth report in the last few days that used those exact words. Yes, and each report was near Chattanooga. Have you broadcast this message to the patrol cars? Yes, sir. Right after it came in. Send it out again, Captain. This is the first good description we've had of those men. If they try anything here, I want every man on the force to be waiting for them. Right, Chief. Wait a second. Chief Barnes, B. Assistant cops over quit, Chief. I've just been robbed. Who's this? Jack Parker. I got a filling station at Maiden Watkins. I just opened up ten minutes ago and two guys walked in and... Hold on a minute. Captain, there's been a hold-up over at Main and Watkins, the filling station. Send a patrol car over there right away. Right away, Chief. Go ahead, Mr. Parker. What happened? These two guys walked in, Chief. They both wore leather jackets. They had four guns between them, and they cleaned out the cash register. How much did they get? Seven bucks. Almost all small change. Nickels and dimes, huh? Well, I know it don't sound like much, Chief, but it's a lot to me. Mr. Parker, I don't care if it was seven cents or seven million dollars. If these bandits are the men I think they are, they're going to try to pull some more jobs like this here in Chattanooga, and we're going to get them. The next afternoon, Colonel, the woman manager of a small dry goods store in Chattanooga saw two men, apparently customers, walking into her store. May I help you, gentlemen? Yeah. Let me see some shirts. The best you got. And I want to see some socks and ties. Certainly. Right over here. What size shirt, sir? Fifteen collar, 34 sleeves. And I want size 11 socks. Here they are. Just take your pick. That's just what we're going to do, sister. Stick them up. Hold on. Take it easy, sister. One peep out of you and I'll drill you. Please. Get down on the floor behind our counter. And don't move if you want to live. Yes, pretty, sir. Pretty fancy looking socks, pal. Get some for me. And the shirts you're getting. Silk. The most expensive I can find. Oh, Please. Fast. Okay. These here look swell. Green silk. You ready, pal? Yeah, let's go. Hey, sister, where's your cash register? There, in the back of the counter. But there's only a... I know, I know. There's only a little change. That's what they all say. How much, pal? Ten bucks and about five and change. Thanks for the service, lady. We'll be sure to tell our friends about you. And remember, sister, if you move off that floor before or out of this store, it'll be the last time you ever move. Exactly 44 minutes later, Colonel, in a Chattanooga liquor store on the other side of town... Uh, will that be all, gentlemen? Just the three bottles of whiskey? No, that ain't all, mister. Reach for the ceiling. Right. What do you want? Don't shoot him, pal. The cops might hear you get. All right. Keep him covered. Okay? And what are you going to do? I'm going to teach you not to be so nosy. Oh, oh. That'll teach you to ask me what I want. Oh, now, please. Please don't kick me again. Come on, pal. Let's get out of here. Get the dough. Okay. Take everything, even a small change. How much is it? That is about 90 bucks here. Hey, here's something else, pal. Yeah. Nice new gap for your collection. Say, not so bad. Different from any I got. Maybe I ought to try it out on this wise guy. No, no, please. Okay, please. mister, but just so you won't run after us, here's something more to remember us. But... Oh. That brutal holdup was the third the nickel and dime bandits committed in the heart of Chattanooga within 24 hours, Colonel. It redoubled the efforts of the police to catch Charleston and Rogers and resulted in a gun battle that Chattanooga will long remember. 
Law enforcement officers within a radius of 50 miles of Chattanooga cooperated. At a special meeting of police representatives at the office of Chief C.R. Bryant, all possible angles were discussed. Fortunately, men, we have a complete description of these two bandits and definite identification clues. What are they, Chief Bryant? Well, first, Tussman, there's the nickel and dime angle. So anyone seen spending an unusual amount of silver is a definite suspect. Then there's the gun angle. The gun angle? It's this, Frazier. These men are crazy about guns. They take pride in them. Not just as weapons, but as items to collect. Ooh, so the bandits might just show off their guns sometime without staging a holdup, huh? Particularly if they'd been drinking. And that's still another clue, Chief Bryan. The amount of liquor they consume, judging by the amount they've stolen. And the girl with them. The one that's been seen in their car. Now, we have her description. All right, Captain Edmondson. These are all valuable clues, men. And we have one other advantage. From what these bandits have said to their victims, they don't expect the police to go after them seriously. Just because the thefts have been relatively small, huh? Exactly. Hmm. That gives me an idea, Chief. What is it, Edmondson? Maybe we can get these bandits through a weakness in their own system. How, Captain? Let's give these clues to every reliable citizen in the vicinity of Chattanooga. Every small storekeeper. Then when the bandits do show up again, they'll be spotted immediately. Good yeah, 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 yeah. Well, then it's understood every available man is to stay on duty till these bandits are behind bars. I want them in custody before somebody gets killed. Within one hour after that meeting, Colonel, merchants, filling station employees, liquor store proprietors, business people all over Chattanooga were planning to cooperate with the police. Cooperate with police? Listen, I'm staying right here at the store. If those bandits come back this way, I'm going to be ready for them. If this is those nickel and dime crooks come anywhere near me, I'm going to call the police. I'll know them if I ever see them again. I'll be glad to cooperate. I've got a score to settle with those rats, and I'd like to see them both behind bars. If they ever come into my place, I'll... Nickels and dimes, eh? I get it. If those buzzards stick their noses in my place, I'll be waiting for them. You can count on me. That night, Colonel, December 26, 1939, at the Rock Castle Roadhouse, ten miles west of Chattanooga, the cashier, Bill Rafer, was standing behind his counter. Hey, yo, cashier. Yes, sir? I want a bottle of whiskey. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We're not allowed to sell liquor in bottles, except the guests of Rock Castle. I'm a guest here. Me and my pal are in one of the cabins right next door. Oh, I'm begging your pardon. Sure. Uh, here you are. That'll be uh, 165, please. You'll have to take it and change. Change? Fiscal, buddy. Here. 25, 50, dollar, 10, 20, 30, 55, 65. Right. Thank you, sir. Your brother's right. Say, what are you staring at? Oh, why, I... See anything wrong with me? No, I, I was just thinking what a good-looking green silk shirt you have on. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, it is good-looking. Everything I got's good looking. Look at this. Hey, hey, what? Ah, don't be scared. I ain't gonna use it on you. Boy, that's some pistol. <laughs> Bet your life it is. Special automatic. Only one like it in that country. Yes, sir. Well, I is there anything else you want? Yeah, yeah, sure. I almost forgot. Give me, uh, give me uh, some of those box lunches you got, huh? How many? Let's see now. Uh, three. Yes, three. Here they are. Do you want me to carry them for you? Yeah, that's right. I'm getting a little rocky. Hey, Joe, take over, will you? Okay. I'll be right back. Let's go, sir. So which cabin is it? Second one on the left. Is this the cabin? 
Yeah, yeah, I'll look. Hey, open up. Come on, come on, come on, open up. It's me. Come on. Pipe down, will you? Come on, let me in. Where's me? I reckon I'll be getting along, mister. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. See you later, mister. Good night. Yeah, I'll see you later. Operator, operator, get me the police. Police headquarters, Chief Ryan speaking. Chief, listen, this is Bill Raper out at Rock Castle. Yes, Bill? Those two nickel and dime crooks you're looking for, they're here. How do you know? I'm positive, Chief. Every single clue you give me, the, the nickels and dimes, the, the guns, the liquor, everything checks. Did you notice a car? Yes, sir. It's a big, black, new 1940 Buick. Where are they? In a cabin right next door. Three of them, sir. Two men and a girl. That's what I call fine cooperation, Bill. Sit tight and don't say a word to anyone. I'll send an emergency squad out there right away. Fifteen minutes later, Colonel, Captain Homer Edmondson with a group of picked men from the Chattanooga Police Force, including Detective Shipley and Carson, met members of the county uniform police under Captain Dyer outside the Rock Castle Roadhouse. The cashier, Bill Raper, was waiting for them. Which cabin are they in, Mr. Raper? That one with the lights on, Captain Edmondson. All right, men. Sussman and Fraser, you stick with me. All right, Captain. Now, we'll go to the front of the house. Shipley, you and Carson cover the back with Captain Dyer. You got that? Right, Captain. What's our plan, Captain? Simply to close in and get those bandits. We can't start shooting till we're absolutely sure these are the men we want. But if they show the slightest resistance, open fire with riot guns immediately. Ready? Yes, sir. Let's go. Watch it. They turned out the lights. Better stand back. I'll knock. Open up. Who is it? Police. Just a minute. Hurry it up. All right, coppers. Come and get it! Get back, friend! Those bullets bounced. All right, men, open up with your riot guns. Right, Captain. Get down low, babe. Those cops are using riot guns. We'll fix them, Jimmy. I'll load your pistols. Roger. Yeah? Cover the back door. I'll cover the front. Okay, Charles. Come on, coppers. Try and take it. You'd better give up in there. You're surrounded. We'll give them hot lead. Give me another jack, babe. This one's empty. Hey, I, Jimmy. How is it in the back, Rogers? Can't see him. It's too dark out there. Well, they're all around us, Jimmy. Keep oh. down, babe. Oh. Babe, you hit. Oh, my head. I told you to keep down. All right, coppers. You got my gal. I'll show you. Can't get away with that. Charleston. Charleston, there's a copper creeping up in the back. You cover the front, Rogers. I'll get that cop. Coming right up to the back door. What are you going to do, Jimmy? Shut up, babe. I'm running this show. Open your hands, all three of you. I'm waiting for you, Captain. Jimmy, you killed him. I'll say I killed him. I got his gun, too. Jimmy, they got Rogers. Lie down on the floor, babe. I'll get him for that. All right, coppers. I got one of you. Who's next? 
They killed Shipley. Shipley? How? He broke in the back door, shot down before he had a chance. Oh, the dirty dogs. Give me a rat gun, Fraser. Yes, mine's empty. Captain, I'm going after him. Now, wait, don't go up there. It's probably a trap. There goes one of them out the side door. Stop her, I'll fire. He's running for the woods. I can't see him. There, between those big trees. Missed him. It's so dark, I can't see. Oh, we'll never find him in this darkness. And what we do, Captain? He might be hurt. Dyer, you and Carson follow him. I am going to get some bloodhounds. <laughs> What's the matter with the dogs, Captain? Why are they stopping? Too dark for him? I'm afraid they lost the trail, Fraser. What, after we've followed their banner for almost eight miles? It's all right, Sussman. Those bloodhounds have told me just what I want to know. Huh? That'll get you, Captain. For the last two miles, the bandit's trail has followed right along these railroad tracks. That's right. But now we've lost it. I can't see what that... We're headed toward Chattanooga, not away from it. Doesn't that mean anything to you men? You mean you thought maybe the bandit would jump a freight away from Chattanooga? No, Sussman. I thought he'd head for Chattanooga, but I couldn't be sure. Now I know he's gone back to the city, where we can lay our hands on him. With one of the nickel and dime bandits, Joe Rogers, dead, Colonel, and the bandit's girlfriend in a prison hospital, the Chattanooga police combed the city for the remaining bandit, now definitely identified as James Charlson. Later that night, after visiting hundreds of rooming houses, two police officers, Patrolman Fraser and Sussman, climbed the stairs of a cheap rooming house an hour after midnight. What number the landlady say, Fraser? Room six. Yeah. It's room number six, right up there. They have the stairs. Yeah. Landlady said her new boarder arrived an hour ago. Have your gun ready. But I will, Sussman. You turn on your flashlight. I'll try the door. Right. It door's unlocked. That's lucky. Careful now. Easy, easy. There, he's in bed. Sound asleep. Wonder if he's a guy we want. He's pretty young for a bandit. Let's make sure, Sussman. Pull down the covers. A pistol there in his right hand. And another one next to him. He's starting to wake up. Grab him. I'm with you. Look on him. I didn't do nothing. I got him, Fraser. Put the bracelets on him. Charlton, you're all through. You come to crazy. I'm not the guy you want. No. General Light, Fraser. Let's see those two guns. That don't prove nothing, Cobbler. I didn't kill nobody. I like guns here. I collect them. Well, well, this is one gun you never should have collected, Charlson. It's the gun you took from Detective Shipley after you killed him. And it's the last gun you're ever going to collect. And so, Colonel Schwarzkopf, through splendid police work and excellent citizen cooperation, the criminal activities of James Charlson came to an abrupt end. Placed on trial in my court for robbery and murder on February 27th, 1940... He was quickly found guilty. I sentenced him to life imprisonment in the Tennessee State Penitentiary. He's there at this very moment. And what happened to the girl who was with Charleston and Roger, Judge Miller? For months, she hovered between life and death with a bullet touching her brain. The doctor said her mental faculties would be impaired indefinitely, and under the circumstances, she was freed in the custody of her parents. Thank you, Judge Miller, for a fine case. 
I'm particularly pleased with the way you brought out the great value of public cooperation with the authorities. When the police thus frankly solicit help from our law-abiding citizens, and those citizens promptly and comprehensively cooperate, no criminal can escape. Every time the police and the people work together, the end is inevitable. Crime does not pay. And now, the clues. Special bulletin, all citizens. Watch for murderer, 24, 5 feet 5 inches, 135 pounds, dark brown hair slicked back, brown eyes. This man with tall, sandy-haired companion, having wrinkled face, wanted for brutal murder several days ago, refrigeration engineer near San Antonio, Texas, may be traveling in black Ford station wagon and may have in possession a 44 caliber Smith & Wesson revolver with cedar handle. Warning, citizens of Pennsylvania, be on lookout for man 28, 5 feet 8 inches, 160 pounds, brown hair, gray eyes, occupation farmer. This man wanted in connection with feud slaying last week, Indian Head section of Fayette County, Pennsylvania. If you have any information concerning these clues, notify your local police, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or gangbusters at once. For Sloan's Liniment next week, the case of the missing corpse. Here reenacted for the first time the inside factual account of one of the most fantastic cases in all criminology. Learn how a dead man faced his murderer. Sloan's Liniment brings you one of Phillips H. Lord's most astounding dramatizations in America's Crusade. Against crime. Your faithful friend when muscles ache in pain presents Gangbusters. Gangbusters, brought to you, the men and women of America, by the makers of Sloan's Liniment. With the cooperation of leading law enforcement officials of the United States, Gangbusters presents facts in the relentless war of the police on the underworld. Authentic case histories that show the never-ending activity of the police in their work of protecting our citizens. America's crusade against crime. You too can help in our crusade. Here's a last-minute police bulletin. Nationwide alarm. Attention all citizens. Watch for Clifford Davidson, 32, 5 feet 7 inches, 208 pounds, brown hair, blue eyes. This man, veteran criminal and escape artist, broke from jail, Wewoka, Oklahoma, last week, where he is awaiting trial for murder, allegedly committed following a previous escape from prison. Caution, this man is dangerous. Gangbusters urge you to be on the alert for this criminal. We will have more clues for you at the end of our program. In a moment... 
We'll be ready for our proxy interview between Colonel H. Norman Schwarzkopf and Prosecuting Attorney Stanley Wallach of St. Louis County, Missouri, who will discuss the strange case of the missing corpse in which a dead man convicted his murderer. But first, April showers, they say, bring May flowers. But they also bring the muscular aches and pains that often go with damp and windy weather. Yet there's no need for any member of your family to suffer the discomfort of a stiff neck or sore back just so long as you have that handy bottle of dependable Sloan's liniment on your medicine shelf. Here's Sloan's one-two heat treatment that has brought such quick and comforting relief to millions. One, pat on some Sloan's liniment. Two, relax for a few minutes. Then, like a heat treatment, Sloan's glowing warmth goes to work on that tight and painful spot. In almost no time at all, Sloan's will help soothe your pain away. You'll find Sloan's quick action is a welcome friend, whatever the cause of your muscular distress. Accident, overexertion, or exposure to raw and biting weather. Ask your druggist for Sloan's liniment if you need a fresh supply after the last few wintry months. Sloan's costs so little, and you're so grateful for its soothing help when you want relief in a hurry. Now for our proxy interview between Colonel Schwarzkopf and Prosecuting Attorney Stanley Wallach of St. Louis County, Missouri. Picture our setting as a special office turned over to gangbusters by Commissioner Louis J. Valentine of the New York City Police. Colonel Schwarzkopf. The case of the missing corpse. Prosecutor Wallach, that sounds almost like fiction. Tonight's case may appear fantastic, Colonel Schwarzkopf, but it is a matter of public record. This case concerns Elmer Dowling and Izzy Londy, two crafty criminals whose viciousness has seldom been matched by any criminals anywhere. We begin in St. Louis one late afternoon in February 1938 in the hideout apartment maintained by Elmer Dowling. Drink up, Londy. Thanks, Dowling. I asked you up here to explain what I got in mind for you. What do you mean? I'm considering you as trigger man for my outfit. Trigger man, huh? Yeah. Next thing I consider is what's your experience. I got plenty. I got it all right here on my desk. Here on this case history card. Izzy Londy, known as Monkey Years. Robberies and other jobs, market prison 10 to 20 years. Shot way out of jail, handy with guns. How'd you find out all that, darling? That's my business, to find things out. And to get things done. Why should I join your mob, eh? Listen, Landy. When I want a man in my mob, he joins. But I've been away for 13 years. I've been out of things. I'll teach you the ropes. Then you'll be a big asset to my protective organization. Protective organization? Yeah. For businessmen and storekeepers. They pay us so much dough per week for protection. <laughs> protection from our own gang. <laughs> but suppose the storekeepers squawk to the cops. They know better than that. It's cheaper to pay up and shut up than to stop a bullet or get crippled for life. Yeah. Sounds okay to me, darling. Randy, before we're through, we'll have every store in the city in our protective organization. They're going to pay us, and they're going to pay plenty. Good morning, mister. You remember me? What are you men back here again for? Hey, listen, mister, this is your last chance. Are you joining our protective organization, or ain't you? No, I'm not. Okay, boys, dump that paint all over the place. Give them the words. Right, Father. No, stop it. Don't, please. Don't. Uh, we're going to teach you a lesson, mister. And if you ever blab to the cops, you'll never see your wife or kids again. Go to it, boys. Oh. 
Don't answer that phone, buddy. My business comes first. You got the money for the organization? I tell you, I can't pay you. I'm not taking enough money in my store. You're trying to welch on the organization, huh? And I'll show you. What are you going to do? You know what's in this can? No. Acid. No, I don't. It's all yours, mister. Right in your face. Oh, my! That's the dry cleaning store on the corner, Red. The one Dowling wants us to take care of. I got the dynamite already, Londy. All right, drive by the store and I'll light the fuse and heat it. Hey, Londy, there's a guy down the block. Don't worry about the guy down the block. I'll light the fuse. There. Step on it, Red. Hey. Later, Colonel, at headquarters. We got that report, Moore? Yes, Captain. The emergency squad say dynamite was used to blow up that dry cleaning store. Moore, we can be pretty certain who's back of this outbreak of violence. Racketeers extorting money from businessmen. It's an ugly situation, Captain. We can't get witnesses to testify against these crooks. Yes, crooks like Elmer Dowling. Now we've got another bombing on our hands, and still no witness. I'm assigning additional squads of plainclothes one to cover various business places and stores and... Yes? Captain, there's a man out here by the name of Louis Lee Baker. He wants to see you. What about? He says it's about the bombing of that dry cleaning store tonight. The bombing? Send him right in. Yes, Captain. Right away, sir. Moore, open the door, please. Yes, sir. Come right in, sir. The captain will see you. Thank you. How do, Captain? My name is Baker. Glad to see you, Mr. Baker. Have a chair. Thank you. You say you know something about this bombing tonight? Well, uh, I don't know if this means anything, Captain, but I thought I ought to report it anyway. Report what, sir? Well, at uh, 10 o'clock, I was walking along Franklin Avenue. Yes. And just as I was about to cross the street, a car came racing down the avenue. What happened? Well, there was an explosion. I, I didn't know then it was a bomb. Later, I got thinking about it, and the bomb and, and the speeding car. Uh, what kind of a car was it? It was a Chrysler sedan. I didn't see the license number, but I did get a good look at one of the men in the car. Oh, is that so? Uh, he was uh, sort of pasty looking. Had very black eyebrows and big lips. Anything else? Well, the one thing I noticed most of all were his ears. His ears? Yes, sir. They stuck way out. What's that? Well, uh, I never saw a man whose ears stuck out so much, sir. Was he stockly built? Mm, well, uh, yeah, yes, he was. This means something to you, Moore? I'm not sure yet, Captain. But I used to know a criminal who fitted that general description to a T. Monkey ears, they called him. If it's the same man, he's a gunman of the worst type. All right. We'll have Mr. Baker go through the identification files. If he can pick out the picture of the same criminal you have in mind, we'll have our first positive identification to help smash this gang. And the picture that Lewis Lee Baker identified, Colonel, was the picture of monkey ears. Is he Londie? The authorities moved fast and arrested him in a few hours. Who good police work, Prosecutor Wallach. Indicted for this bombing, Londy posted bail and was released by the courts pending trial. He immediately phoned Dowling. Yeah, Dowling, that's why I'm calling you. That Baker guy's identified me for the bombing of that dry cleaning store. I'll go to jail, I would. Hold it, Londy. Where are you calling from? 
from the drugstore. I'm afraid to come near you. The cops are on my trail. Yeah, I thought so. Now, let me think. This is serious, Dowling. You've got to help me. Yeah, I know how serious it is. Once the cops throw you in jail, they'll probably get more information that'll lead to me. You? I'm the guy that's in a jam. Don't think of the spot I'm in. Hey, wait a minute. What did you say is the name of the guy who saw the bombing? Baker. Louis Lee Baker. Baker, eh? Is he the only witness the cops got? Yeah. You sure of that? Positive. Good. What do you mean, good? If something should happen to this witness, the cops wouldn't have no case, would they? That's right, Dowling. Well, something is going to happen to him. We're going to find this guy, Baker. And when we do, he won't be a witness. He'll be a corpse. Meanwhile, Colonel, at headquarters, the captain was talking with Mr. Baker. Mr. Baker, your identification of Izzy Londi as the cleaning store bomber is the first good break we've had in our campaign to rid this city of racketeers. I'm glad I'm able to help, Captain. You realize, Mr. Baker, that your life is in constant danger. Yes, sir. That gang will stop at nothing, absolutely nothing, to prevent you from testifying at Londi's trial. So we're going to hide you on a little farm near Sykeston, Missouri. You know where that is? Uh, yes, sir. About 150 miles south of here. Yes. Under no circumstances are you to leave the farm unless accompanied by our men. I understand, Captain. When we want you, our men will show their credentials and will tell you, the captain wants to see you. Now remember that phrase. The captain wants to see you. Yes, sir. The captain wants to see you. Mr. Baker was taken to this farm, Colonel, and given ample police protection. Then a startling event occurred. Prosecutor Wallach, we're anxious to hear this startling occurrence, but right now, here's Charles Stark with a few words. Mowing the lawn for the first time after the long winter months is always a chore. The ground is uneven, the grass is tough, and you yourself are probably more than a bit tired and sore when you've finished. That's when you need Sloan's 1-2 heat treatment to bring you quick and comforting relief for muscular aches and pains. Here's all you have to do. One, take your bottle of reliable Sloan's from your medicine shelf and pat on some of this quick-acting liniment. Two, relax. And then, like a heat treatment, Sloan's helps ease those stiff and aching muscles. You can actually feel that penetrating, glowing warmth easing away your pain. Sloan's liniment has helped millions in just this quick and easy way during the past 50 years. And Sloan's will probably do you the same good turn. You'll find Sloan's liniment a true family friend in need. Welcome to the members of your family all through the year. For whatever the cause of your muscular distress, accident, overexertion, or exposure to chilling drafts, you'll find that Sloan's will help you forget your aches and pains in almost no time at all. So make sure you always have a bottle of Sloan's on your medicine shelf. Ask your druggist tomorrow for Sloan's liniment. Now back to Colonel Schwarzkopf. Prosecutor Wallach, with Mr. Baker hidden out on a farm near Sykeston, Missouri, and with Elmer Dowling threatening to kill Baker to prevent his testifying at Izzy Londi's trial, you said a startling event occurred. Baker stayed close to the farm, Colonel Schwarzkopf, awaiting word that the captain wanted to see him. Then, one week later, Baker was standing at the farm entrance when two men drove up and got out of their car. Oh, Baker. Mr. Baker. Uh, yes, sir. You gentlemen want to see me? Uh, yes, Mr. Baker. We're detectives from headquarters. Detectives? See our badges? The captain sent us out. 
He wants to see you right away. About that uh, bombing. The captain wants to see me. Now, if you'll just get in the car... But uh, I'd like to leave word with the men at the farmhouse where I'm oh, going. We haven't so got that... time for that. This is urgent, Mr. Baker. We don't want to keep the captain waiting. Well, you know best, sir. Sit right here in the front seat. Thank you. Right between the two of us. You don't know what the captain wants to see me about, do you? I'm not sure, but I think it has something to do with murder. Gentlemen, we've been driving for an hour. It's getting dark. We're going in the wrong direction. This isn't the way to town. Baker. Yes, sir? We're not going to town. What? The captain's going to meet us at a house just up the side road. Oh. Why didn't you tell me about this before, sir? We got our orders. There's the place now. Well, that house looks deserted. There's no lights. Don't worry about that, Baker. Well, where's the captain's car if he's going to meet us out here? I guess we're a little early. How about it, pal? I guess we are. Well, let's go in the house anyway. Yeah, sure. Come on, Baker. Hi. I'd rather wait here in the car. No, Baker. We're going inside. Come on, Baker. Orders are orders. All right. Uh, I'll do what you men say. Quiet around here. Ain't it, Baker? Yeah. Here you are, it is. Let me take your arm, Baker. Take my arm? Yeah, it's so dark you might stumble. You're... Are you sure the captain will be here? Step inside, Baker. It's so dark in here, I can't see. Turn on your flashlight, pal. Sure. Go on inside, Baker. Hey. There's no one in this house. It's, it's empty. Deserted. That's right, Baker. That's why we brought you here. What do you mean? Just this. That did it for a moment, I tell Wait. I want to make sure. Now we got nothing to worry about, Red. Two bullets right through his head. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Darling, you think anybody could have heard those shots? Nah. No one lives within miles of this place. Let's get in the car and scram. Hey, Red. Wait a minute. What's the matter? We ought to get rid of that body. Not me. I ain't going back to touch no corpse. Red, unless you want the same thing Baker got, you better come with me. Okay, darling. But I don't like it. Yes. It's quiet around here, ain't it? And dark. Good spot for a job like this. Flash your light. Darling, look. Say, what the... The corpse, the body. It's gone. But it can't be. It was right here on the floor a minute ago. Flash your light around. The room is empty. But he was dead. I killed him. Two bullets right through his head. Then where is he? A dead man can't get up and walk away. I'm getting out of here. Uh, me too. Oscar DeWallach, do you mean to say the corpse, the victim's body, was actually gone? Yes, Colonel. By a strange miracle of fate, Lewis Lee Baker had not been killed. Though suffering intense agony, he had managed to crawl out the back door of the deserted house and hide. 
He saw the two gunmen return and then run off in terror when they found that his supposedly dead body had vanished. So that's why the corpse was missing. What did Mr. Baker do? He dragged himself to the side of the road where some passing workmen found him and rushed him to a hospital. Later that night at the hospital, Baker talked with police officers. That's the whole story, Captain. They shot me twice in my head. But I guess I'm too tough to kill. I don't feel I ought to question you any further, Mr. Baker. You need rest. I I want to tell you all I know. All right, Moore, take this down. Yes, Captain. The man who shot me was a big fella, six feet, about 200 pounds. Yes. Blonde hair, blue eyes. Now, take it easy, Mr. Baker. I had a broken nose, no chin. No chin? Big fellow, blonde, blue eyes, broken nose, receding chin. Why, Captain, that description fits the man we arrested on suspicion but couldn't hold. Yes, Elmer Dowling. Captain, you know the man... The man who tried to kill me. Yes, Mr. Baker, and we're going to get him. When you do, I'll be in court to testify. Yes, sure. All right, now relax and get some sleep. Yes, sir. You'll need every bit of strength you've got. Yes, Captain. Come on, boy, we've got work to do. That fellow Baker has more courage than a dozen men, Captain. He certainly has more. Two things I can't understand. How Dowling found Baker at the farm and... Why should Dowling want to kill him? Uh, Seems you can't hide anything from that gang. They probably followed every move Baker made. But I know why Dowling wanted to kill him. Baker's our only witness against Izzy Londy. If Baker had been killed, Londy would have gone free. Then you think Londy and Dowling are part of the same mob, eh? It points that way. Yes, it does. Moore, I want you to grab Izzy Londy and throw him back in jail immediately. This time he's going to stay in jail till he goes on trial. Right, Captain. Meanwhile... I'll get to work on Dowling. We're going to put the heat on every member of that gang until we get Dowling or they turn him over to us. Within five hours, Colonel, the police had again arrested Izzy Londy, and the search for Dowling was on. Warnings was flashed from coast to coast. Attention, all field agents, Federal Bureau investigation. Attempt to locate and hold for questioning Elmer Dowling in connection with attempted murder. Dowling is six feet tall. Urgent. Police of Eastern Seaboard. Arrest on site, Elmer Dowling, fugitive. Dowling weighs 200 pounds. Special notice, West Coast Police. Elmer Dowling reported in California. Wanted for attempted murder. Dowling has blonde hair, blue eyes. Attention, all Missouri police. Be on watch for Elmer Dowling, fugitive gangster, now at large. Dowling, believed to have returned to St. Louis, may be hiding out somewhere in city. Dowling. Dowling. Yeah, open up. Why'd you come here? Look at this newspaper. It's about Izzy Londy. Londy? He was sentenced for that bombing today. Got 25 years. 25 years? The guy who sent him to jail was that fellow you tried to kill, Baker. He testified in court against Londy. That was the mistake of my life. Not making sure that guy Baker was dead. Now look what he's done. Has me hounded like a rat. The cops sure are after you, darling. I can't stand much more of this. Cooped up in four walls, afraid to show my nose outside. Afraid every noise I hear on the stairs of the cops. I'm going nuts. I can't sleep no more. I lie in the bed, hour after hour, just listening and waiting. That's all you can do, darling. If you show up on the streets, the cops will grab you inside of ten minutes. So where's the rest of the gang? 
Why don't they do something for They're me? They're hiding out from the cops, same as you. Well, where's Jaime? You ought to be able to find Jaime. Yeah, he must be with the others. Well, the yellow rats. Just when I need them, they run out of me. If I ever get my hands on them, I'll... Hold it, Red. Don't open that door. Now, wait till I get my gun. That ain't the door, it's the phone. What? Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hello, darling. Uh, who's this? Me, Jaime. Oh, Jaime. Well, where have you been? You got no idea how glad I am to hear you. Now, listen, Jaime. I'm on a spot, see? I need dough to beat town. Tell me where Rick can meet you so you can go and... Listen, something. you dumb cluck. Dumb cluck, why I'll break you. Now, now, wait a minute. What's the matter? Plenty. Now, what do you mean? The cops got the gang smashed. Half the boys are in jail already. And the cops ain't gonna stop till they get you and every one of us. Yeah, well... So there's only one thing for you to do. For me to do? The boys say for you to give up to the cops... Tonight. What? Why, you're crazy. You've had your warning, darling. We'll be watching you. Yeah, now wait, Jaime, wait, wait. So remember, darling, it's the cops or us. Hello. 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 What is it, darling? The gang. They're throwing me over. Put me on the spot. On the spot? Yeah. But how did they know where I was? No one knew where I was, but... What are you looking at me like that for? You. You were the only one who knew... You're in with him. No. Darling, put out that gun. Shut up. Oh, hand over your money. Oh, sure. Sure, darling. Here. Here is every, every cent I got here. I ain't licked yet. I'll get out of this town. And I'll kill anybody that tries to stop sure me. Sure you will. Sure. Now, Red, it's your turn. Don't. Don't shoot. Please. Don't. I ain't shooting. I need these bullets for the cops. But here's please, what you're no, getting off, no, man. No, 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 Hello, headquarters. Listen, copper. You want Elmer Dowling. I know where you'll get him. Who is this? Never mind who it is. Oh, check this call. Listen to me. Go out to the waiting room of the Taylor Avenue car station, and you'll find Dowling if you get there fast enough. Maury, hung up. What was it, Captain? Another tip on Dowling. Get a special squad. We're going out to the Taylor Avenue car station. It may be a false alarm, but we're going to investigate at once. All right, Maul, pull up here. There's the car station. Right, Captain. We'll leave the car here so Dowling won't see it. Follow me, men. Yes, sir. Any special instructions, Captain? If Dowling is in this waiting room, we've got to be careful. He's sure to be armed. And I don't want any innocent person hurt. Yes, sir. We'll have our guns ready. I'll know Dowling the second I see him. Here's the waiting room. Careful now, men. A lot of people in there, Captain. See that big fellow sitting there hiding back at that newspaper? It's Dowling. Wonder if he sees us. He's getting up. Now hold it, men. We don't want any shooting. He's going out the back way. Good. You two men guard this front door. Yes, Captain. Moore, you and I will go around back. Come on, fast. Right, Captain. You ready to shoot any instant? Yes, sir. Hold it. There he goes. Back of that house. Moore, you wait here. I'll cut around this side and try to head him off. Up with your hands, Captain. Dowling. Kill you if you don't do what I say. I'm using you as a shield. Start walking. All right. I'll kill you for this time. Drop that gun, darling. Okay, let go of my arm. Let me go. That gun, I said. He got down. Come on, man. Are you all right, Captain? Yes, more. I'm all right. 
Now, this rat isn't. Put the handcuffs on him. There's a man waiting at headquarters to see you, darling. What man? The man you tried to murder. A missing corpse. Alma Darling was positively identified by Lewis Lee Baker, Colonel, and went on trial for the attempted murder of Mr. Baker on March 4th, 1940. He was convicted and was sentenced to 30 years in the state penitentiary at Jefferson, Missouri. This has been a most interesting case, Prosecutor Wallach, and I want to congratulate you on your successful prosecution of Dowling. One of the most impressive features of this case is the fine courage displayed by Mr. Baker who refused to be intimidated in his efforts to help the police smash this mob. In these days of national stress, America needs citizens who support the law enforcement authorities and who are not afraid to face the gangsters and reveal them as real enemies whom this country must face. Thank you, Prosecutor Wallach, for helping us to prove again that crime does not pay. Now, before we broadcast our nationwide clues, a few words from Charles Stark. I should like to leave you with a reminder. Muscular aches and pains often arrive without warning or invitation. During the summer months to come, when we are all more active, take the wise precaution of always having a bottle of dependable Sloan's liniment on hand. You'll discover that Sloan's will help you get the quick and comforting relief you want. One, pat on some Sloan's liniment. That's all. Just pat it on. Two... Relax, and soon you'll feel that welcome, gentle warmth as it penetrates right to your sore and stiff muscles, easing and soothing the pain. Ask for Sloan's liniment when next you visit your favorite druggist. And now, the clues. Attention, citizens Southwest. Look out for man wanted concerning murder. Negro, 33, 5 feet 7 inches, 135 pounds, black kinky hair, brown eyes, Left eye punctured and may be completely out. Three razor slash scars, left arm at shoulder. May wear dark glasses to conceal defective eye. This man wanted connection murder near Muskogee, Oklahoma. Caution, citizens New England, New York, New Jersey. Watch for James Joseph Horan, 39, 5 feet 9 inches, 180 pounds, brown hair turning gray, brown eyes... Tattoo initials, J-J-H, right forearm, large ears, eyes slightly crossed. This man, veteran robber who has been operating in New York and New Jersey, wanted by federal authorities for questioning concerning robbery of bank at Suffield, Connecticut. If you have any information concerning these clues, notify your local police, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or gangbusters at once. Tonight's broadcast is the last of the current season for Sloan's Liniment. But we have some glad news. Sloan's will again sponsor gangbusters in the fall. Until then, we wish to thank all of you who have sent us so many splendid letters. And we want to thank the police organizations of the country for cooperating with the producers of gangbusters in proving so conclusively that crime does not pay. And speaking for Sloan's, a very happy summer to you all. Until we meet again in the fall. America's crusade against crime. Calling the police, calling the G-men, calling all Americans to war on the underworld. 
This is the National Broadcasting Company. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.